know, Amazon in the US, if you want to return something, you don't even have to box it up. You just take it to the local UPS store, or depending on where you're at, what geography, and that's all you do. You just walk into the store and hand it to them. Now, if you try to return another product where you've got to get on a queue, a call queue, you call them, you wait, you're waiting to get talked to an agent, and then they ask you all this information, and then give you an RMA number, return authorization number, and then you got to print that out, you got to stick it on the outside of the box and send the label and take it to the store. Tell me which one the consumers are going to be happier with and they're going to expect. And your competitors are going to pop up with radically different approaches all the time. So you need to put business model thinking early in the innovation cycle. Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for joining me again. I was recently asked to deliver a presentation on innovation in the year 2030. Not so easy. It's hard enough to think about innovation next year. But I wanted to share with you what I came up with. I began by talking about 15 global challenges. The Millennium Project is an organization, a really good place to start to understand global challenges. They've identified 15 global challenges that provide a framework to assess global and local prospects for humanity. These challenges are a result of continuous research, Delphi studies, interviews, and the participation of over 4,000 experts from around the world. And they've been updating this every year since 1996. So if you've not seen it, there'll be a link in the show notes. I suggest you take a look there because these 15 challenges will infect the environment we are all living and working in, and therefore present a good landscape for the type of innovation that will be required. Let's highlight a few of the challenges. How can we achieve sustainable development while addressing global climate change? And I would add to that, and stay in business at the same time. How can decision-making be enhanced by integrating improved global foresight during unprecedented accelerating change? How can growing energy demands be met safely and efficiently? How can scientific and technological breakthroughs be accelerated to improve the human condition? How can ethical considerations become more routinely incorporated into global decisions? And they break this down into demographics, urbanization, transparency, climate crisis, resource pressures, clean technology, technology shifts, global policy, populism, uh, those kind of factors. So with that lens, how will innovation change? Well, in 2030, innovation will react to change faster. Our challenge now is disruption will be a way of life by 2030, if it's not already a way of life now for some of us. The sources of disruption continue to grow. Uh, things like militaristic regimes, global supply chains, the economy, worker shortage and political alliances, another pandemic, climate change. I'm sure there'll be more sources of disruption we've not experienced yet. So you need innovation data that you can access. You need innovation data that you can trust. 
and you need an innovation culture that embraces change. In 2030, innovation will embrace a changing workforce. Our challenge is the workforce is becoming smaller. Employees in the workforce have different expectations. Universities are planning for less students, and baby boomers are retiring. So you need a great innovation culture, one that attracts and retains good people. You need to be efficient with the people you have, the workforce you have, and you need to do more with less. In 2030, innovation will include sustainability, if it isn't already. Challenges the world's resources are limited and consumers are focusing more and more on this. So you need to engage everyone in the sphere of the business world on climate. You need to consider the human aspects of business. You need to embrace transparency, and you certainly need to listen to the next generation. In 2030, innovation will include dual innovation. If you're not sure what I mean by that, go back and listen to some of the podcasts we've had on ambidexterity with Noel Sobelman and dual innovation with Dr. Ralph Christian Orr. A challenge is the market disruptors are everywhere and core innovation will not be enough. Another challenge is that core versus explore innovation is hard. So you need multiple approaches. You need ambidexterity. You need explore innovation and exploit innovation. And you need startup thinking, corporate accelerators, laboratories, those kind of things. You need an ecosystem, all part of dual innovation. In 2030, innovation will use new tools. Our challenge is that new technologies are continually becoming available. The latest one that we're all talking about is generative AI, sometimes uh, given the label chat GPT, but it's certainly more than just that. But what will be next? By 2030, that's a long way away. We can expect something else to be there. In fact, we may find that what we currently know as generative AI goes away or morphs into something else or doesn't really work the way we thought. Time will tell. So how do you select and use new tools without coming blind to the tools that you have? Well, you need to stick with what works. You need to try new things that extend what works. And you need to recognize when it's time to stop using a new tool. And you need to expect that new tools will come and go. Some examples that we currently have, we've got ChatGPT, we've got the GPT-3 Playground, GitHub Copilot, Jasper, WriteSonic, Google Bard, Microsoft Bing, even now uh, GPT-4. Uh, so you need to embrace these tools and technologies to help you, but expect change. You know, right now we're all learning how to drive these AI engines because it's certainly garbage in, garbage out. We need to learn prompt engineering. I was talking to somebody and they said, oh yeah, I use ChatGPT and I asked it to do something and it gave me the result and it wasn't quite what I wanted, so I stopped there. And I'm thinking, well, you don't know how to use ChatGPT because it comes back with something and then you have to tell it what's wrong or what you need changed or how it should better give you what you're looking for. And the way I talk to people about that is imagine you're talking to a research assistant. Let's say it's a university student who's an intern at your company. 
and you asked that assistant to do something and they went off and did it. They came back to you and you looked at it and you said, okay, I like this. I don't like that. Please look at it this way. Please consider doing this as well. And if the assistant would go off and do that, that's the best way to think about generative AI in my view, a lot of people using it. In 2030, innovation will put product management at the center. Some of you might say it's already there, but I can tell you in many cases, it's not quite there yet. The challenge is really knowing the customer. The challenge is that product people lack time to get out of the office. And a big challenge is product managers are not trained, although we see that changing now. So you need relentless focus on the customer. You need to know the customer better than they know themselves. You need North Star thinking, clear objectives, clear direction. You need clear and measurable product goals and KPIs. And the critical need is to focus on improving the capabilities of your people. In 2030, innovation will create new business models. The challenge is that changing models in adjacent industries change consumer expectations. So something that's totally unrelated to your business is causing the consumers to act a certain way. And when they come to your business, they definitely expect it to be the same way. If they've got tremendous customer service and let's say returning an item back to the store or back to the organization where they bought it from, they're going to expect that if they need to return something to you, it's going to be just as seamless, friendly, and easy. Now, Amazon in the US, if you want to return something, you don't even have to box it up. You just take it to the local UPS store, or depending on where you're at, what geography, and that's all you do. You just walk into the store and hand it to them. Now, if you try to return another product where you've got to get on a queue, a call queue, you call them, you wait, you're waiting to get talked to an agent, and then they ask you all this information, and then give you an RMA number, return authorization number, and then you got to print that out, you got to stick it on the outside of the box and send the label and take it to the store. Tell me which one the consumers are going to be happier with and they're going to expect. And your competitors are going to pop up with radically different approaches all the time. So you need to put business model thinking early in the innovation cycle, and you need to ideate on your business models. Don't keep them static. Look for change. You know, who thought you could make a living as a YouTube or Patreon person 10 years ago, five years ago? And now we see people buy first by checking out YouTube. So much change in the business models. And you've got to get it right. I'll use the Hewlett Packard Inc. challenge, you know, there's our scandal or whatever you want to call it, debacle. Somebody wrote a, a blog post that, uh, you know, my printer is extorting me because HP's Instant Ink challenge, in this case, their credit card re- expired. They weren't looking at it. And as a result, HP basically disabled their printer. BMW wants customers to pay a subscription fee to use features the car has already installed in it, like a heated steering wheel or adaptive cruise control. And BMW is not the only one here. All the manufacturers are are testing this and playing with it. You've got to get it right. In 2030, innovation will use some new and some existing methodologies. A big challenge is the tendency to jump to a new methodology 
because you think it will make things better. Or others are doing it, so we should do it. And there's so much failure happening as a result of that. So you need to move carefully. You need to experiment and you need to be ready to accept failure. And you also need to be ready to mix methodologies. There'll be no one methodology that works for all innovation. And so, you know, just take something like Agile. Well, there's many people now saying that the age of Agile must end and Scrum never works and Scrum is a fallacy and others very successfully using it. So it's a mixed bag. So be careful. Go in slow. Don't expect that just because you're going to implement Scrum, you're going to be successful. Plenty of articles on both sides of the fence on that one. In 2030, innovation will embrace ecosystems. The new innovation types we're going to see, like the innovation labs and the corporate startups, will go beyond the corporate walls. They'll include universities, venture capitalists, public-private partnerships, solo inventors, and other companies. In 2030, innovation will react to global and geopolitical impacts. You know, I think we know that energy, water, global warming, they're going to make some areas of the earth uninhabitable. And so countries are going to have to deal with that. And what happens if a country is no longer inhabitable? Well, that's going to be a pretty big global impact. So we need to be prepared for those kind of shifts when we're thinking about innovation. And innovation in 2030 will address different population dynamics. We see it moving very fast right now, the power of the consumer, the way the consumers expect to buy product, to use product, to dispose of product, to share product. You know, we see Netflix trying to change the way that its pricing model works and to prevent the sharing of Netflix that they felt was beyond uh, the intent. Are they doing that to try to capture revenue? Are they doing to try to protect IP? I'll let you be the judge of that. But the population dynamics are certainly changing in Netflix's case to cause it to have to decide to deal with it now. So there you go. Those are the ways that innovation will change. And I encourage you to think about how you will get there. What will your innovation look like in 2030? What will you do different tomorrow? Jot down some ideas and, uh, and see what you come up with. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.